There is a story in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 5, of a man who is delivered from demons. He's delivered from something that has plagued him all his life. And towards the end of that story, in verse 18, Jesus is leaving. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. And said, so the man went. He began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. This is the power of testimony. This man could go and he could tell others his story because a testimony is a story. And every follower of Jesus has their own story. I believe if you do not have a story to tell, you are not a follower of Jesus. But he comes in and he transforms our lives from the inside out. And he gives us something to tell others. And there is a power in testimony when you are testifying to what Jesus has done for you because it's very difficult for others, for non-believers, to object to what you are saying. They might object to Scripture. You'll have had discussions where people will throw up all sorts of issues and objections regarding what the Bible teaches. But when you say to someone, this is my story, this is what Jesus has done for me, it is a very, very different matter. They possibly don't object, but they go silent because they're not sure what to say. And so we are a people, individually and corporately, who have a wonderful story to the mercy of Jesus at work in and through us. And we must not underestimate the power of that story. We are simply responsible for telling the story. We are not responsible for how others respond. And this morning we are going to hear a wonderful story of how Jesus has intervened in the life of a particular individual. And just as this man in this story was told to go and tell his friends and family, so we have a situation this morning where one of our own... Thank you. We'll get there in a minute, Amanda. We'll get there. Where one of our own is going to tell an incredible story of what Jesus has done in their lives. And we need to respond with thanksgiving and amazement because... It's a story of miracles. Not a miracle particularly uh, of healing, although that is involved. But you know, when someone comes from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, that is the greatest miracle of all. The miracle of new birth. The miracle of coming into that place with Jesus where you can sing the songs that we mean singing this morning about our Savior, my Savior. And so, folk, I want us to give a very warm welcome to Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Oh, 
have we got all your equipment switched on? I believe we've got all the equipment switched on, have we? Okay? <laughs> so, Father, right now, we just thank you for all the work you have done in Amanda's life. We thank you, Lord, that she is a miracle. And, Lord, we just look forward to hearing more of the story that she has to tell. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> Well, hello, everybody. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Do you know, just looking at you all sitting there, I believe that pretty much everyone in this room would have at least one date that you will never forget. Well, I can think of lots of dates I can never forget, most of them very, very happy. But one date that really stands out for me is the 18th of February, 2002, because that day my life changed forever. It was all going so well. I was happily married to Steve. You're still happily married to Steve. That's a very good point. I actually saw. (laughs) I think I saw a little bit of worry cross his face there as I said that. So I correct that. I was and still am very happily married to Steve. I'd known Steve since I was 16, fell head over heels in love with him. And in February 2002, we just had a wonderful holiday to celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary and my 30th birthday. And we'd seen our dream come true of buying a house which overlooked the beautiful hills in Yorkshire. And we had a great church, good friends. I had a job that I adored. I used to work as a careers advisor and help young people their dreams. Ooh, little interference there. It's the Holy Spirit, not me, honestly. (laughs) And I think we're just like any young couple full of hopes and dreams for the future. But then overnight, everything changed. I woke up in agony. Next thing I was in an ambulance being rushed to hospital. And there were doctors telling me, you've got internal bleeding and there's a growth in your kidney that looks very much like an aggressive form of cancer. Well, we were just stunned. Next thing, I was going for major surgery, and I just remember waking up, and there were all these tubes and machine, uh, machines attached to me, and then this doctor started walking over towards the bed, and I didn't know what he was going to say, but he leant over and he said, Mrs. Varty, I've got some news for you. The growth wasn't cancer. <laughs> You are going to take three months to recover, but then you are going to be able to have a totally normal life. Well, I'm sure you can imagine, I was just overjoyed. I felt like I'd been given a second chance at life, and I was determined I was going to cherish every moment with it. I was going to use my life to make a difference. And then, out of nowhere, my side burst open. Fluid began to gush out. I developed some very, very serious complications. And it was as a result of those complications that I ended up with a severe form of a condition called ME that the doctors said they had no cure for and that left me bedridden for nine years. Our lives just became unrecognizable. We went from Steve and I being a normal couple to him having to spoon feed me. My whole world became the four walls of a darkened room where I never even saw sunlight for all those years because I had severe light sensitivity. I then lost the job that I loved so much. 
and without my salary, we lost our car, and we very, very nearly lost our house. I then developed a neurological symptom where I would often totally lose the power of speech. And for me as a people person, that started to feel like I was now losing who I was. And then after four years in that situation, the doctors told me, you're now considered too severely affected to ever recover. On top of that, my face began to swell up in boil-like sores that didn't respond to treatment. And I got to the point where I couldn't even look in the mirror anymore without crying because I didn't even recognize my own face. I just felt like I had hit absolutely rock bottom. And I don't know if any of you have ever prayed one of those really desperate prayers. Well, I just lay there sobbing, just begging God to help me. It was one of those prayers of total surrender where I was just saying, God, no matter how much of a fighter I am, I can't fix this. I need you, God. You're my only hope. What I didn't realize, though, was that that prayer of total surrender was actually going to be the turning point of the whole situation. Now, it was funny because I had an image in my head of how God would answer that prayer. That image looked like an instant miracle. <laughs> but God actually answered that prayer by Steve getting an invite to go to a healing service at a big church in Bradford. And so off he went, and he came back really excited. And he's telling me, well, two people separately prayed for me. And do you know what? They got exactly the same word from God. It's a done deal. Your wife will be healed. So Steve, full of faith, he leans over the bed, he lays hands on me just like they tell you to in the Bible, and he's praying, and the power of God fills the room. And you know, we felt the power of the Holy Spirit many times, but this was just on another level. And so I was thinking, this is it. God's going to give me my instant miracle. I am going to leap out of bed today totally healed. But you know, that's not what God did. In fact, God didn't do any physical healing at all that night, but he did something massive on the inside of us. I can only describe it like he gave us an injection of faith, because it was like this inner knowing suddenly that God was going to heal me, and it just wouldn't let go of me. And you know, overnight, without us even thinking about it, our language changed from if I was healed to when I was healed. So much so, we even got out a piece of paper and we started to write a dream list of the things we would do when God healed me. Now, we put all sorts of stuff on this dream list. I think some of it would seem really small to any normal couple. So there were just things on there like going for a walk together in the countryside. And then there were bigger dreams. So I had this dream that I was going to do the Great North Run. And us, as people from the Northeast originally who were living away from home, every year we'd turn on the telly, watch the Great North Run, and get really emotional when we saw the Tyne Bridge. <laughs> and so, even though it was a massive dream for someone who's totally bedbound, I was determined that doing the Great North Run was going there on that dream list. And there were many other things we put on the dream list. But for me, the most special dream of all was the dream that Steve and I would dance together again. Because you see, for me, dancing's just everything that being bedbound isn't. 
you know how it is? It's just so full of joy and energy and life and freedom. And so that's what I longed for. And every time I pictured what it would be like to be healed, that's what I saw Steve and I dancing together again. So this was my picture of healing. And every night, the two of us used to pray together. And this one night, Steve came into the room and he was holding something and he put it into my hands. And it's possibly one of the most beautiful gifts anyone's ever given me because it was a dress, some shoes and a jacket. And he said, you know why I'm giving you these? Because if we really believe that God's going to heal you, you are going to need something nice for the day that you first leave the house. (laughs) And you know, that just struck me because it's one thing to say you believe I'm going to be healed, but to buy the dress, shoes and coat for the day that it's going to happen is really putting your money where your mouth is. And so, do you know what he did? He took them and he hung them on the outside of the wardrobe where I could see them every single day so that I knew they were there waiting for me for the day that God healed me. For four more years, those items hung there. Some days it was so hard. But you know what? I would look up and see them. And whenever I felt like giving up, I would say, God, I know you are bigger than any sickness and any circumstance. And I trust that you will keep your promise and that you will heal me. And that one day I'm going to wear that dress, shoes and jacket. And I'd hold on to Bible promises like Joel 2.25, where it says, God restores the years the locusts have eaten. And I'd hold on to Romans 8.28 and say, oh God, it says you work all things for good for those who love you and according to your purpose work this for good Lord and you know for those four years it must have looked like God was doing nothing but he was actually doing two very important things as I lay there bed bound because he was growing me on the inside my relationship with him was growing closer than ever and he was getting me ready to be able to trust him bigger than ever for what was to come but more than that God was doing the most beautiful, precious work of inner healing in me because I'd been through some very traumatic things when I was younger. And God knew I didn't just need physical healing. I needed emotional healing from scars that were tearing me apart on the inside. And as finally I was able to trust God, even with the past, He so lovingly and gently healed me of emotional scars I never thought it possible to be free from. He helped me to forgive people that alone I could never have forgiven. And then he even helped me to be set free from the terrible shame I felt about the scars on my face. And still, instead of feeling hideous and ugly and deformed, I could look in the mirror again without crying and feel no shame because I knew that God really did love and accept me, scars and all. And if any of you have ever struggled with shame or emotional scars, you will know what I mean when I say just how much it meant to discover that God really can and does heal those inner scars too. And you know, it was only once God had done that inner healing that finally began to address the issue I'd so been waiting for, the issue of physical healing. It began strangely. I was just lying in bed praying one Sunday morning and God gave me three words, go to church. 
Well, honestly, it could not have sounded more ridiculous. I couldn't even go downstairs in my own house, let alone go to church. So I'm saying, God, you do realize I'm bedbound, which being all knowing, God kind of did realize I was bedbound. So as I kept praying, those three words just came again go to church. Then at that exact moment, Steve burst in through the door. Oh, you won't believe what happened at church this morning. So he tells me how a trusted friend of ours had come up to him and said, Steve, this is going to sound crazy, but I was praying for Amanda this morning, and I just felt God saying, it's time for her to come to church. (laughs) So you can imagine, Steve's wondering, how am I going to tell my bedbound wife that particular piece of information? When a total stranger who was just visiting our church that day came up to him, said, do you have an ill wife? To which Steve goes, yeah. (laughs) And she says, I believe I've got a word from God for her. She needs to toss back her long, dark hair. She needs not to worry about the thing on her face. And she needs to go to church. Well, when Steve came home and told me this, I had been so ashamed about the scars on my face that there were members of my family didn't even know about it. So for a total stranger to know this, this told me this really was God. And so I just said, okay, God, this looks totally impossible. But if I do all that I can do, will you do what I can't? And will you make a way? And God made a way. Because two weeks later, in August 2011, I wore the dress the shoes and the jacket and I left the house for the first time in all those years (laughs) I was crying tears of joy just feeling sunlight on my face again and the first thing we did of course was go to church I'll never honestly yet know how we did it. Steve had to carry me down the stairs. I had to be laying across the back seat of a friend's car. I had my eyes shut for the whole car journey because after all those years in a darkened room, just all that bombardment of the visual stimulation around me was just too much. Steve always says he thinks it probably looked more like a kidnapping than a journey to church. So there was then the slight problem that when I arrived at the church, all of the strength in my body had drained away and also all of my muscles had wasted from being bedridden and that included my back muscles. So I couldn't sit properly up in the wheelchair. So I was hanging there like a little limp rag doll. And then this wonderful lady, she just laid out three chairs and I lay down across them. And so everyone's coming into church with me lying across the chairs. <laughs> okay I'm in church I don't care (laughs) and then as the service began and I just began to sing praise to God and thank him for the miracle he'd done strength came into my body suddenly I sat upright I remained sitting upright for an entire hour and a half of the service in spite of all of those wasted muscles in my back and then I realized I was holding my arms in the air in worship when I couldn't normally even lift a fork to my mouth but then a really strange thing happened the moment I left the church all of that strength went and I was bedridden again And I'm not kidding, that was such a test of faith. But I knew God had done something. So I was determined that I was going back to church the next week. 
And, you know, the next week, the same thing happened. I had to be carried into church, laying down across the chairs. As soon as I was worshipping God in church, the strength came and I could sit upright. But the second I left the church, bedridden again. For eight months, that's how it was. Some weeks it was so hard getting to church, but I was determined that I wasn't going to give up. And I'm so glad that I didn't give up because in April 2012, I was prayed for in church and I got up out of my wheelchair and I walked. There I was, Steve was on one arm, I had a friend on the other arm, and I walked a distance of about 100 metres around the church that day. And honestly, I felt like Peter walking on the water, because there was this point where I was walking, and then I looked down at my little weak wasted legs that couldn't normally hold me up, and they started to give way, and I just went, whoa, Jesus, hold me up! And he did, and I kept walking, and so I knew this wasn't me. This was Jesus, and I was right in the middle of a miracle, just like the miracles Jesus did in the Bible. And so I wasn't fully healed that day, but it was a massive step forward, because from that point, I could use a little walking frame, and every day I used to walk lengths of the bedroom on this little three-wheeled walking frame. And every day I'd pray, come on, God, just give me the strength to do one more length of the bedroom today. And one day as I was praying like that, God put on my heart what has to be the most bizarre goal he has ever given me, because I had a friend who just signed up for a 10K mini marathon, and God said, wait for it, I want you to sign up for that. (laughs) Now, if you'd looked at me, I couldn't have looked less like 10K mini marathon material, but I thought, you know what, after everything you've done, God, I'm just going to trust you on this one. So I went online, signed up for the 10K mini marathon, and then I continued walking lengths of the bedroom on my little walking frame in what I'm convinced is the most bizarre 10K training plan anyone's ever tried to do. (laughs) So while I'm doing all of this, our church announced that they were having a worship service, and I really wasn't feeling very well that night, but I so wanted to be there. And I remember I just stumbled down the aisle on my walking frame, and I sat down at the disabled seat at the front. And as I began to praise God, I just had my eyes shut. And it was just like there was only me and God in the room. And then suddenly, this amazing energy filled me. And if any of you, and I know some of you do, know about ME, you have no energy whatsoever. And so this stood out a mile to me. And without even thinking about what I was doing, I got my hand and I just shoved the walking frame aside. I forgot it was on wheels, so it trundled dramatically down the church. It was totally out of reach, but I didn't care. Because in that moment, I began to dance. And then I just felt Steve take my hand, and suddenly the two of us were dancing together just like I'd always believed we would. It was just so full of joy. We were praising God with all our hearts. And here I am now, right in the middle of my very picture of healing. That was what I always thought healing would look like. So surely now, God must have totally healed me. But you know... The moment I went to leave the church, all of that energy drained away, and I had to use the walking frame again. But I said, 
God, I've seen what you've done. You've just given me the glimpse of the very dream of my heart. I know you're not a God of half measures. So I believe there has to be more to come. And there certainly was. Because in June 2013, I stood on the start line of the Dublin 10K Women's Mini Marathon. Now, I'll be honest, when I signed up for that, I assumed God would heal me before the mini marathon. (laughs) So now here I am on my walking frame with 44,000 women around me taking the biggest step of faith I've ever taken. And and quite honestly, I was just praying, God, please get me to the finish line without me getting trampled. (laughs) But halfway around that mini marathon, something changed. I felt something happen in my body and I stood upright from my normally stooped posture. I spotted Steve standing at the halfway line to cheer me on. And to his absolute amazement, I handed him the walking frame, continued the last 5K with no walking frame and I was running by the time I got to the finish line. And that's the moment that God healed me of ME, and I've never had a walking frame since that day. And you know, as if all that wasn't enough, you remember those two Bible promises I said that I kept hanging on to? Well, God has been restoring the years the locusts have eaten. And we have the absolute joy of seeing God give us our lives back and getting to live out those things on the dream list. So yes, I did get to go walking in the hills with Steve again. And I even did get to do the Great North Run. (laughs) And you know that Great North Run, it's a 13.1 mile half marathon, only 15 months after I couldn't even walk without a walking frame. And it was so special because that weekend I got to be reunited with friends and family from the northeast who hadn't seen me in all those years that I'd been ill. And that included two nephews and a niece who were born while I was bedridden. And as I gave them their first ever hug from their Auntie Amanda, I realized God doesn't just restore what's been lost. He gives back so much more. And as for that promise that he works all things for good, well, I'm not kidding. He has done that in ways so far beyond anything I could ever imagine. You know, in Ephesians where it says he'll do immeasurably more, he's done immeasurably more. Because, wow, the person who was leading worship the night that I danced in church, who'd watched from the day that I was carried in and laying down across the chairs to me dancing, wrote a beautiful worship song called Dance Again. And that song, together with this little video of me in my living room, just telling a bit of the story to encourage a few people at church, ended up going all around the world. Online, over 10.5 million people watched it. And suddenly I was getting messages from all over the world of how God was using it to bring hope and healing to people, of how people had been going to commit suicide and saw the video and didn't, of people who had heard the song and been instantly healed, of people who came to know Jesus because they watched that video. And, you know, it it just goes on and on because then the song became so popular that it ended up in the UK top 40 of all things. (laughs) And then suddenly the newspapers got hold. 
told of this, and they were writing about this church song being in the top 40, and the story that inspired the song. So people who normally never hear about God were hearing about what our amazing God has done. And then God started sending me around the UK to speak at churches and conferences and community events. And again, more people who would never normally hear about God started to hear about what God had done. And I've had the honor of then praying with people and seeing God bring amazing miracles in their lives and of leading people to faith, so many people to faith that I can't even believe it. I'm so grateful for what God's done. And that's why if I could go back to February 2002 and have that instant miracle I so longed for, I genuinely wouldn't do it now because I wouldn't give up for anything, all the inner healing God did in me in those years, and I certainly wouldn't give up all the people who are now being helped by this. And you know, it just shows that we don't realize how a story of what God did in our lives, how God can take that and use it to help somebody that we don't even know. And so never be ashamed to share your story. And wherever this story finds you today, I just pray that whatever struggles you may have, God will use this to help you to not give up, to keep going, to keep trusting in a God who is faithful and who does keep his promises, because nothing is impossible with God. God is just so good, isn't he? And I'm so aware that it would be easy for you to come today and just hear the story of what God did in someone else's life. But the same God is here today, the same God that rose Jesus from the grave, the same God who took me from dancing to being bedridden. And shortly we're going to have a time of ministry because why would we not call upon that God for the miracles that are needed in this room? And so lift your faith, believe today that God is here and that he is at work. But before we do that, I'm very aware that I've told a story there that involves my relationship with a God who's very real with a God who's very practical, with a God who loves us scars and all and who is there with us in the worst of times. And that there are maybe some of you that nobody's ever told you you can have a relationship with that God and that he wants a relationship with you. Or maybe you know that, but you've never felt ready. But today in your heart, you know that you are ready. And so I want to take a moment now to just create a private moment between us and God. And so, could everyone just close their eyes for a moment? Because the only reason that we can have a relationship with God as our Heavenly Father is, as the Bible says, the only way to the Father is through the Son. And 2,000 years ago, God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us on a cross. But the good news is that Jesus did not stay dead. He rose from the dead. And because of that, he defeated death. And those of us who choose to follow him can have the peace of knowing that when we die, we will be safe with him for all eternity. But so much more than that. What Jesus did on that cross means we can be forgiven for every wrong thing we've ever done. We can know God as our Heavenly Father. And we can receive the gift of His Holy Spirit to come and live with us and in us, to guide us for all of our lives. 
And so if there's anyone here today while everyone's eyes are shut, it knows in your heart you have never made that decision and you want to say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Yes, God, I want to know you as my father. I want you in my life. I want that relationship. If you want that relationship today, while everyone's eyes are closed, can you just as your way of saying yes to God, just raise your hand? I'm not going to hurry this moment because this is, this, this is the biggest miracle of all. This is an even bigger miracle and a healing miracle. And Lord, there may also be some people in the room today who realize their relationship with God has drifted and they, they want to bring you back into the center. And so today, can we just say a prayer to either invite Jesus into our lives for the first time or to ask him to come as a recommitment and to recommit to have him at the center. And so I'm just going to say a prayer. And if you want to just repeat after me, Father God, thank you that you loved, you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want you at the very center of my life. Please forgive me for every wrong thing I've ever done. And give me a brand new start. And please send your gift of the Holy Spirit to live with me and in me. And I thank you, Lord, that you will be with me always and never leave me, nor forsake me. In Jesus' name, amen.